am sitting in the audience at the world premiere of the paper boat opera in St. Nicholas Collegiate Church, the oldest church in Galway. We have just joined in on the rousing Galway Blessing song to finish the show, and we have jumped to our feet in a standing ovation. After four years of preparation, setbacks and reimaginings, the paper boat opera has finally set sail. With over 140 people involved in the performance, including children and adult choirs, a brass band, young strings, four soloists and an ensemble of professional musicians. This was a huge undertaking. It all started with an idea on the 700th anniversary of this church. My name is Mark Dooley. I'm the organist here at the Collegiate Church of St Nicholas. So I have the privilege of looking after the music in this place and I'm also involved in this new opera, Paperboat, which we're premiering in a couple of weeks. The church celebrated its 700th anniversary in 2020, we think 700 years since it was founded, though the exact date of its building is, is a little bit uncertain, but that's, that's the year we have. And of course, it's the year that Galway took on the mantle of the European um, capital of culture. So we wanted something that celebrated these two, two, two things coming together, celebrated the church's anniversary, that really celebrated something about the city as well, that was very much speaking of the city and that looked at the history of this church in terms of it being a sanctuary, which it was, and still now, you can't really see it now because these communities haven't come back after, after the COVID pandemic. But just before the pandemic, when we commissioned this opera, where we're standing now, you could have seen, as it's Sunday, this would have been a very busy day two years ago for the church. So we wanted somehow to celebrate that. So we looked at the idea of a community opera first of all that would involve lots of different groups in Galway. So you have professional players, then you have amateur players playing alongside them with specially written parts for them, different choirs taking part as well. And as Galway is really blessed with so many different groups, excellent children's music schools and so on, we wanted to involve as many of these groups as possible. There, over there in the song school, which is our rehearsal room, um, we have the children's chorus for our new opera rehearsing with the conductor for the premiere, Sinead Hayes. So this is the first time that Sinead's met the children. So it's all about her getting her ideas across for how she wants them to sound and getting that relationship established between the conductor and the singers, which is so important. But it's great to hear how she's getting them to really get the text across. So already the, the sound has transformed. You're going to be transformed into an opera chorus. Now, the difference between a choir and an opera chorus is an opera chorus has to tell the story. It's all about the story. And you have a beautiful sound already developed with Mark, so that is amazing. But what we need is we need the audience to hear every single word because you are the very first people to be telling the audience this story ever in the world. This is a world premiere. They will never have heard these words before. You know, when we have the monster, it swallowed him whole. They are just going to be, what? Oh, my, I did not see that one coming. You have to tell them. It's, it's like a twist you have to tell every single, let every single word get out there, get out there. But at this stage, the mother, a mother and her son have arrived in the church seeking sanctuary. And the whole opera is about the tribes of Galway deciding, is it a yes or is it a no? City of Galway, I bless you! So it's like, City of Galway, I bless you. That's fabulous. That's really good. No. It's joy, it's joy. So that's what I love, right? We're going to do a little bit of that. 9.61, here we go already. Three, and... That's really, really nice. Now, can we get... You know what Mark was saying about this support? I wonder, could we just stand... Mark had come up with the original idea for Paper Boat, but it was a massive project to stage on his own. Galway 2020 suggested he work with music for Galway, 
who have been promoting classical music concerts in the city for 40 years. Anna Lardy is their executive director. Mark had had this fabulous idea, but he was a bit of a one man band at that stage. So he needed some support. He needed some administrative support and so on. We knew each other from working on other projects together before. And we trusted that that working with Mark was always a good idea. <laughs> and so we, we came on board, so to speak. We also got on board was Irish National Opera, who, of course, uh, very much have a lot of experience in producing operas. And we needed their experience and expertise. We all felt a little bit safer knowing that they would be on board with us. Irish National Opera suggested Elaine Elaine is a wonderful composer and she is very much used to be working in communities and with communities. My name's Elaine Agnew and I'm the composer of Paperboat. I made my first trip down to Galway. It was around October, November 2018. So that's when the whole process started. So here we are now, April 2022, and it's eventually happening. So we've had a bit of a journey along the way. Marg had a really clear um, idea of what the opera would be about and who it would involve. I mean, he really had a, a fantastic vision for the piece. That initial visit that I did back in 2018, I was able to go in and visit a couple of primary schools here in Galway. And just to kind of get a sense of, are there any children's courses already existing? And I got an opportunity as well to meet St. Patrick's Brass Band, who are a brilliant brass band based here in, in Galway. And I went along to one of their regular Friday night rehearsals and I talked a little bit about what I was hoping to do. I mean, there was no libretto as such at that point. I was kind of on the ground sussing out who could be involved. And I was very aware that there is a fantastic music school out at Cool and in Athenry. And I've worked before with, with some of the directors of, of those two music schools. And, and then thinking, how do you go about this? How do you actually decide who's going to be involved? Because we could have had a cast of hundreds and hundreds. So I suppose at that point, it's kind of sussing out who it could involve. And then alongside my work in Galway on the ground, I suppose really looking in terms of the, the performance side of things. Jessica then came on board to create the libretto. Jessica Trainer is a poet and essayist who had worked with Elaine on previous projects. But for Paperboat, she was a librettist. But what is a librettist? When I sat down to write Paperboat, I wasn't sure what it was exactly. And for me, I kind of thought, well, 
thinking back to the operas that I've seen over the years and my own kind of operatic education came when I was working as an usher in the gaiety during the Opera Ireland years so I would have been the person in the silly uniform selling the maxi twist ice creams but I got to see all of this tremendous opera um, and one of the things that I noticed is that they're quite simple you know obviously we, we associate opera with melodrama and there are some that have various twists and turns but generally the kind of dramatic transaction that takes place is quite simple so when I set out to write this opera, I thought to myself, okay, there needs to be a simple story that you that you tell that is connected to this site-specific opera that this place, St. Nicholas's uh, Collegiate Church. So it needs to be something that comes from those stones, you know, a simple story that is connected to the history of this place, that is connected to the contemporary life of this place. So I came up with the idea of a migrant woman and her child coming to the church to claim sanctuary on the night when the ghosts of Cromwell's armies, who burnt the city of Galway, have returned to take their vengeance on the city. So it's kind of phantasmagorical. It's haunted. There's a, a sense of, you know, are these characters living or dead? which I wanted to be the case because I wanted this to be an opera that could happen now or could have happened at any time over the church's 700-year history. So I kind of threw those ideas into the pot and then thought, if I were approaching this as a poet, what would be the poems that I would write that would tell this story? It's Friday night at St. Patrick's Band Hall in Galway City Centre. The brass band are rehearsing movie themes for another upcoming concert, and Sinead Hayes, the conductor of Paperboat, is meeting them for the first time. Hello everybody, by the way, uh, my name is Sinead and I'll be your conductor for Paperboat, so it's great to be here and I'm really looking forward to having a go at this amazing music. It's, it's very different to what you've been playing so far. My name is Michael Dooley. I'm playing bassoon with the orchestra and I'm also the conductor of St. Patrick's Brass Band. So I have two hats on me uh, during the opera. Playing in the orchestra, I would be kind of used to this kind of music, um, which is, is really wonderful to play in Galway. I think it's great that the, the local brass band are involved in a project like this um, because certainly it puts them on a platform where they have a new audience and um, it's introducing them to new music because a lot of the music they would do is, is by maybe dead composers and uh, it's great for them to play music by a living composer and they're enjoying it. Sinead Hayes is another person taking on two very different roles in the project, conductor and project manager. 
Well, usually there are two very separate roles. So the conductor is is really in charge of all things about the music. So the musical preparation. So I'll work individually with the chorus. We have a, an amazing chorus master, Mark Dooley. So he prepares the chorus and the youth chorus. And then I'll, I'll just come in for the last couple of days and then when we bring everybody into the room together I will conduct that and I will kind of make all those those kind of final decisions to kind of shape the final performance my role really is you're working always towards that that final performance and shaping everything musically making all those musical decisions and then making sure that everybody knows what the possibilities are so so I, I work with the singers just with piano we start off with that and then work up uh, to what we call the Zitz Probe which is where we bring everybody into the room so it's kind of it's all building though towards that final performance and I am I suppose in charge of the musical all the musical aspects of that I was on just as a conductor and then it came to February um, we didn't have a project manager involved and I used to be a structural engineer before before I was a conductor so I, I do I did a, a fair bit of project management as part of that job it was going to be cancelled if we didn't have a project manager and I just wasn't going to have it cancelled again. I was just, this, this was not, was not going to happen. So I said, look, I will do it. That has involved scheduling all the different groups to get their rehearsals sorted out and then finding venues, making sure that all the elements are in place for the final performance, which included, you know, booking a luxury toilet block, you know, getting all the lighting set up, getting a really detailed schedules, you know, set up for the day so that everyone knows what's happening. Sinead was talking about how the performance was cancelled so many times. Like many creative projects, the pandemic caused a lot of disruptions to the opera. Anna Lardy from Music for Galway. It was really hard because so much work had already been done by the time we had to call it off. You know, the the music had largely been written. The whole world, the libretto had to be written first of all. That had been done. The music had been written. All the engagement with the communities had been done. They're preparing them for the opera. So much so much build up already there and then to just come to this moment it 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 really it just was it was awful and also really not knowing whether whether we'd be able to to put it on again so the, the, as we realized we had to pull it the next question was straight away okay when are we doing it <laughs> you know can we hold on to everybody can like will people be with us still will the artists be with us will the ensembles and the communities still be with us and then you know we picked another date and it had to be cancelled yet again and yeah it was hard Sometimes when I'm sitting on the road, I wonder, am I still? I'm Diego Fasciati, the executive director of Irish National Opera. With this particular project, Paper Boat, because of the sheer number of people involved, you know, the professional musicians and singers, as well as community choirs, community music groups, 
school groups, we just knew that we had to postpone it. Uh, there was no way we could deliver this in any, any way, shape or form. So we postponed it several times. This was conceived as a community opera. It meant that back in December 21, we couldn't really rehearse the way we wanted to rehearse. Schools were closed. Schools didn't want outsiders coming in, working with their classes. So that's when we decided we would do a professional recording of it, a studio recording of it, as well as a concert version, which we knew we could deliver. For Elaine, the postponements gave her an opportunity to look at the opera again and devise a different way of staging it. You know, once COVID struck, I closed the Birkin paper boat and it, it went up into the loft. And then I, I just brought it down last summer. And I suppose I had, hadn't looked at it, you know, in about maybe 14 months. So I looked back at the piece and, and tried to make, make sense of it again. You look at it with very different eyes. And I think it's benefited from lots of edits that I've done. I've just shortened things and tightened things and we have reduced the cast. I think that's really helped slimming it down and, and just reimagined a few things. We've had to rethink everything and in a way I've had to really reimagine the whole opera because we don't have staging, we don't have the dancing, we don't have the drama elements of it. We have some elements of it, but the idea was that, yes, let's do a one-off performance on Saturday the 23rd of April, but we'll do it more as a, a concert performance for Saturday night. It's very much a series of numbers, kind of 12 major songs, and they have different combinations within that complete cast. I never lost hope in the project because it's got such a solid base in terms of the music and the libretto, and because a certain amount of the music had been rehearsed prior to COVID. So it was there, it was in the bag, it was sounding good. People seemed to really like it. I might have felt a bit more hopeless if I hadn't got that far in a way. But no, I mean, there's been a lot of energy has been put into making sure that we're doing it right now on Saturday night and we're doing it as the, the very best that we can. Busy here for a Saturday night. Busy what? Are you here for mass, is it? Or are you here for a concert? One of them homeless choirs. I did that once with a bunch of old fellas. <laughs> it was gas. There's me at the back singing me heart out to all these old timey songs. <laughs> here, here, I'll give you a blast. <clears throat> oh, I could fly neat the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The structure of Paperboat changed many times before its premiere. We've just heard the start of the opera when the young man comes on stage to address the audience. Jessica explains how she wrote the story and how she wanted to represent the audience. I began to write a series of poems, um, some of which were narration of the sorts by the 14 tribes of Galway who are connected to the church, some of which are songs by the mother. Uh, there's also a young man uh, in the church who is homeless, who is the audience's kind of representative in a sense. We are seeing the opera through his eyes. What is going on here? Um, what are all of these various different historical forces that are at play? So I wrote a series of poems that could have been spoken by these characters and then I stitched them together with a little bit of dialogue as well. So I did want to kind of Give, give us a chance to have a little bit of human interaction as well and ground the opera a little bit, particularly through the character of the child who's come seeking sanctuary and also the, the character of the young man who's the kind of representative of the living world today. Before legends 
bass baritone or baritone for this performance um, and uh, I'm playing young man in the opera so I play a homeless guy who wanders in off the street just before the performance and then throughout the show you find out his story and how he links in with everything else. Gemini Vrien. I am a metal soprano from Dublin and I sing the role of the mother. She is a mother and she has her child with her and we learn that she is a refugee basically and they've come over on a boat through the Atlantic and have just come from a really really terrible place and you know it's kind of very poignant of the times that we're living in and at the moment it's, it's extremely relatable. So she's here trying to fight her case to have sanctuary in the city of Galway and she needs to convince the tribes to let her stay. But there's also this ghost army that is approaching and they think that she's bringing the ghost army with her, but she's not and she's just pleading with them to let her stay. And then even if they don't let her stay, let her child stay. Stand on the spot where my name is Brendan Collins, I'm a baritone from Cork and I'm playing Lynch. So Lynch is uh, one of the heads of the 14 tribes of Galway and in this production uh, both Lynch and French are chosen as spokespersons for the tribes and how they're going to deal with the arrival of the mother and the child. Why have you come to our shores? Why break the pitch black Breed and I'm a mezzo-soprano and I sing the role of French. So French is one of two characters and they quite often appear together and sing together in a sort of a finishing each other's sentences kind of way. So French and Lynch are there to stand in and represent the 14 tribes of Galway to speak, I suppose, on behalf of the people of Galway, but also like figures of authority. So when the mother and her daughter come looking for sanctuary, we're the ones deciding, will we let them in? Will we be uh, sympathetic to their plight? Or will we take care of ourselves and take care of our own? So really, I suppose, in a very, um, in, in a kind of heavy-handed way, it's a metaphor for how we accept people who need us, how we give them aid, while also bearing in mind that the real and existential threats that face us on a daily basis. And these are the arguments I think we see played out in discussion about migrants and the migrant crisis all the time, now and through history. How can we extend a helping hand when we have all of these problems ourselves? Um, and so because this was a community opera, I wanted to try and approach these themes in a way that acknowledges the darkness there and the conflict, but would also be accessible for uh, the communities involved in the making of the opera and also the, the various different children who are involved in the performance of the opera. Um, so it was about trying to, to strike that balance a little bit. 
I asked Elaine if she had any music written before she received Jessica's words and to tell us what all the different sections of the opera represent. When the libretto arrived, that's when the music started. I didn't come to the libretto with preconceived music ideas. Nothing, nothing at all. I mean, because in this case, the music comes from the words. That's the starting point for, for everything. The adult chorus represent a collective of the, the 14 tribes, the people of Galway. The youth chorus really are represent the voice of the child. And St. Patrick's brass band then are the, the ghost army. And they're quite threatening and loud. The orchestra very much, they, they supply lots of drama. So in terms of keeping the nuts and the bolts and the rhythm and everything together, they have the energy and they're the driving force of everything. We are in Nakhnakara Community Centre at the minute. And as you can see, there's loads of, uh, it's at the break, it's the tea break in the first big rehearsal. We had a rehearsal here yesterday with the band and that was great yesterday afternoon. So we're here in the big hall now. And so in the afternoon, everyone's going to join us. But for now, it's kind of like the calm before the storm. Um, so we have just the, just the soloists and the, uh, the ensemble, the paperboat orchestra with us. And then in the afternoon, we've got 24 young strings arriving. We've got a youth chorus of 35. And we also have the adult chorus of about 20 joining us. So there's going to be a lot of people here. It's going to be mad. <laughs> That's it. And we're going pizzicato in the strings. Huh? Yeah. Uh, let's do pizzicato in the strings. I need to... Uh, um, up, yeah, up to bar 333. Three, three. Up to bar 333. Three, three. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Pizzicato. We're in Nocknacara Community Centre in the suburbs of Galway. Sinead is standing in the middle of the basketball court, surrounded by the paper boat ensemble of musicians and the principal singers. Throughout these rehearsals, both Sinead and Elaine regularly change little details of the score as they go. I asked Peter Barrow, the trumpet player from the ensemble, about the reasons behind this. That's kind of the exciting thing about playing a new piece of music. This is the first time it's being performed, you know, uh, live, so they, they can figure out somehow on the fly, you know, maybe this thing doesn't, doesn't work quite here as, as originally intended or these two things are, are overlapping too much and we, we don't hear the, the singers which we need to hear so it's better if you take this down an octave or play a pizzicato or maybe trumpet you take, take those bars off so it's, it's kind of a, although the, the opera is essentially composed it's still like somehow evolving and they're like tinkering at the edges and, and making the final adjustments I love working with, with composers especially you know when you're, when you're in the room with them and it's, it's kind of you're gone beyond the theory I had a lot of conversations with, with Elaine about possibilities of maybe we could change this, this orchestration. So like when you're working with singers and orchestra, you need to make sure that they have space to, to, to come, come, come through and they're not 
feeling like they're fighting with any of the elements of the orchestration. So uh, in some cases in, in the room, it was great to have some time to just just find a little bit more space within the orchestration, like maybe making things pizzicato that were that were arco before, maybe changing octaves, changing registers. So you're you're giving the singer space so they're not feeling like they're fighting. And suddenly it the, the texture changes. So I, I love that. And also just things about pacing and, you know, things about tempo and, and, and how you're shaping phrases and all of that. Like it's it's just really nice to to kind of have a second a second brain to kind of, you know, bounce those off. Because I suppose as a conductor, it's it's kind of a lonely thing as well. You're you, you are a collaborator, but ultimately you have to make those decisions and you have to kind of follow them through. So that's 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 kind of my job as a conductor. So it's great to have Elaine to then say, well, what do you think if we did it this way? And she'd be like, well, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but we'll give it a go, you know. And I love that about Elaine. She's so open to like giving things a try. And yeah, if we, if it doesn't, it doesn't work for her. She'll say it. And I love that as well. She won't be like, oh, that's that's great. That's great, politely. It is the first time that the whole of the Paperboat Opera has come together for a rehearsal, and it sounds powerful. One of the young strings, Ashlyn Gone, tells me about her experience so far. It's been really fun. We've had like three other um, practice sessions, and we've got to meet like new people from Galway. And this is our first one with the whole gang of everybody, and excited to see the choir sing. And you're going to be going down to Limerick next Wednesday, and then the big performance on Saturday. So how do you feel before those? A little bit nervous, but I think it'll be fun. Like, I'm excited to do it, because it's been like two years in the making, so it'll be really fun to do it and see how it goes. COVID has haunted this project from the beginning, causing many postponements, and it can still be felt at the rehearsals. Bogdan Sophie and Ingrid Nicola, two members of the orchestra who tested positive for the virus, have to watch over Zoom. Ingrid tells me how they still managed to take part. We are part of the Contempo String Quartet and um, we were meant to be <laughs> yesterday and today and rehearse. And uh, because we need to isolate, the only way to do the rehearsals is through, through Zoom. And to be honest, I'm very grateful because, uh, of course, it's not the same as you are in, you know, in the same room, but it makes us familiar with the music because you can't get this music, it's just commissioned. There is no other way I could listen to it, so it's, it's very, very important. I get familiar with the music. Oh yeah, Young Strings, yeah? Could you sign in here? Um, my name's Steve and I'm kind of looking after you today. So if you sign in and then just wash your hands and then you can head on inside. We're in Limerick and only a few days from the premiere of the show in St. Nicholas Church. The opera is being recorded at the studio of the Irish Chamber Orchestra at the University of Limerick for future broadcast on RTE Lyric FM. Anna Lardy from Music for Galway. It'll be a slightly different version of the of, of what we hear. The, the, the libretto will be it'll be made for radio, so it'll it'll all make sense for for a listener that just sits at home and can't actually watch things happening, but can just only hears what's going on. 
it'll be very nice to have that lasting version as well, to have have a good recording made, a uh, good quality recording made of it. Get over an NG. Ooh. Make some space. There's a lot of activity happening. The bus is arriving carrying the youth chorus, Mark Dooley warming up the adult chorus, and Sinead talking to the sound engineer. It really brings home to me the amount of people involved in this production. I'm part of Collegium, the adult choir, yeah, here. It's very uplifting. Um, it's a pleasure to work under Mark Dooley. Very challenging material. He raises the bar every time. Beautiful music. Um, it's busy and it's a big commitment, but it's worth it. It's just so beautiful. And when you hear the soloists, it's just there's some very, very moving parts in it. And I suppose because of what's happening um, with the war in Ukraine at the moment, it's just you, you can relate to it, you know, so that's what's what's nice about it. And I'm from Galway as well. Kind of I feel connected in some way and uh, with the the music of The West's Awake for the blessing song, um, it just kind of makes me feel emotional. It's a little bit nerve wracking working with the orchestra because it seems very loud. We're just afraid you might lose an entry or come in on the wrong note. No, I'm very excited, you know, about it. Yeah. Youth choir, if you could have a listen to this, right? And I want you to I want you to notice how together they are, okay? And I'm gonna ask you for a mark out of ten, okay, about how, how good it is by the end. Are we ready? Okay. So no pressure, they're listening. Okay, here we go. Ready? One, two, three, and okay. what do you reckon? Seven, eight, what? Oh, I heard a six. I heard a six in there. Okay. There have been so many delays and intense preparations for the last few weeks, but the opera is finally ready to be performed. There are only a couple more rehearsals in the church to come. Jessica reflects on Sinead's involvement as a driving force. Really, the, the person who has been charged with resurrecting it is Sinead, who has become not only the conductor, but the project manager and who has just made everything happen. And her, with her vision, we have come closer to the original vision than we ever would have thought possible and um, because she has been so pragmatic and joined up so many dots and you know said things like well look if we have everybody here yes we can do a concert performance but we can make it as close to an actual performance as possible Do you know what? We've we've had such a couple of brilliant days in Limerick, and it's it's really in in good shape. Like we had, we had just magic moments of just things just kind of coming out with with the young strings and the chorus and and the singers, and just so I think we're now ready to just bring it to an audience, and that's the that's the element, and put it all together, and like have it so that you know we don't stop in between and put it in order because of course we've been rehearsing it out of order so we've never done it in order apart from we did a sing through just with the singers and the piano so that's going to be amazing to actually put it all together with the dialogue 
in the space. You know, I'm back here in my hotel bedroom. I'm going to go to bed now for a few hours thinking it's kind of, in a way it's done and dusted. All the hard work's been done and dusted. Now, obviously, I can say that from my point of view. I mean, Sinead has a huge couple of days ahead of her because on Friday we're we're getting into the church and we're lighting and, and all of that and staging and all of that all has to be done and, and looked after. But for me, I think for the first time in maybe months, if not four years, I can breathe easily and think, right, it's there. It's in the hands of the most amazing musicians from County Galway and further afield from all of the amateur and the professional ones. And under the baton of the brilliant Sinead Hayes, it's just going to be the biggest thing ever. So I am so excited. You have one new voice message received at 21.34 on the 21st of April. Hi, Alan. It's Sinead Hayes here. Well, the last bit of drama for your, for your documentary is I tested positive for COVID-19 at a roundabout. I have taken out and tested at 6 o'clock after the season. So, anyway... Um, yeah, give me a ring when you get this. Okay, bye. On the eve of the final rehearsals in St. Nicholas Church, Sinead tests positive for COVID and cannot be present to conduct the performance. But the resilience of the team prevails and Mark Dooley will take over as conductor. He has worked as choirmaster and knows the score. Michael Dooley will step up to conduct the brass band sections. Elaine explains the situation to the singers and ensemble at the start of rehearsals. So here we all are in St Nicholas's Collegiate Church where it all started 700 years ago. Now you probably all know at this point that Sinead unfortunately has tested positive for COVID, the old COVID, but she's well, she's uh, just a wee bit of a cough. So she, most importantly, she is absolutely fine, but obviously can't be with us. So myself and Mark, well, we're going to kind of conduct this session and then I'm going to step back and the new look Sinead will appear. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we're at. So we just need everybody to completely give of themselves. And this, this session is going to be a little bit slow because in half an hour's time... On a laptop on one of the pews, I can see Sinead on Zoom and I ask her how she is doing. Well, I wish I was there. I can't believe I'm sitting here eating a sandwich um, and watching somebody else about to start conducting paper boats. So this is un unreal. I was just thinking this time yesterday, my life was normal. This is all going ahead as normal. And then around an hour from now, I took a COVID test and it was positive. And then it, the reality of the whole world shifted. So it's just been an insane 24 hours, I can't even say. How do you feel about it? Well, it's in, it's in really good hands with Mark. And like, I, I, I'm so delighted to see how the team has pulled together to, to make it happen. And I've been here on the Zoom all day, answering questions and, and, and project management from far. But I, I wish, I'm gutted. I'm, I can't, there, there are no words. There was screaming, there was crying, there was kicking of doors last night. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't. It was awful. It was just absolutely awful. But anyway, no, we'll plow on. We're going to see this thing to the end. Whatever happens, this is the last bit of drama. <laughs> this city, to the 
the drama continues the next day as Adrian Mantu, the cellist from the orchestra, reveals. Now it's the first time when we play the whole lot together and uh, thanks God everything uh, yeah, stick together. So yeah, we are <laughs> all more relaxed now because you know, after all the drama which happened, which is normal. I mean, when you say opera, it's all about drama and we had plenty. So just now we are trying to find or the organizers a solution at the end of the show, because it's the world premiere, to somehow introduce the composer <laughs> to the audience. So hopefully through the use of uh, Zoom, laptop, uh, iPads, we can uh, show to the audience the person who <laughs> started all. So will will Elaine not be here either? No, because uh, Elaine is the last uh, person who got, uh, unfortunately, a COVID. And yeah, she didn't feel well, so she had to take a test. And uh, I'm so sorry because, I mean, it's, it's funny enough. Everything seems perfectly fine and full of energy. And then the next day you think, oh, they have to quarantine for a week because, yeah, they got a positive test. And we're so glad that finally we were able to put uh, this together. But <laughs> we never thought that uh, the main conductor, organizer and the composer herself, yeah, will be out for the premieres. Mark has a lot on his mind as he takes on the conducting job. Uh, I'm just trying to memorise the last part of the Blessing Song because I'm going to have to conduct everyone in it and I need to know how many beats rest there are and everything. So that's what I'm thinking about at this particular second. Okay. Ten seconds later, it could be something else. After years of preparations and setbacks, including losing the conductor and composer just as it was about to be staged, Paper Boat is finally ready to set sail in St Nicholas Collegiate Church Mark Dooley is on stage. He is rehearsing the Galway Blessing song with the audience, and then the opera begins. Now, it's a tune you'll all know. It's called The West's Awake. But please don't sing the words that you know to The West's Awake. Sing these words. So, if I can have a B and a D. So I'll just give you the first line, and then we're going to try it together. Oh, people of the Corinth. up nice and straight, taking a big breath, and we're going to sing it together. Here we go. One, two. <laughs> 